0: Uh, welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. I am Sonny Bunch. I'm the culture editor at The Bulwark. And uh, we, took, we took a week off for Thanksgiving there. I hope you're still with us. Uh, but joining me again this week is Tony Davis. Tony Davis uh, was one of our first guests on the show. He had a great Fantastic episode about uh, movie theater projectors that people learned a lot uh, about. I think people know more about popcorn grease now than they ever had wanted to. Uh, Tony uh, Tony is an electrical engineer who moved from X-ray cat scanners into the cinema technology buz- business over a decade ago. His company is Tessive, where he's developed technology for movie cameras and post-production. And until last year, he headed the technology group at Real D, the company that enables 3D movie presentation in over 30,000 theaters around the world uh today we are going to be talking about something a little closer to home literally in your home we're gonna be talking about tv technology and what uh what tvs have done over the past few years to essentially rival what you can get in a let's say non-imax non-dolby atmos type uh movie theater um uh tony yes uh when i asked you uh, if if you would be willing to write about this, you you uh, jumped at the chance and sent me a very technically involved piece that uh, I, people actually really liked and really read a lot of It's I think one of the best performing pieces is that I have commissioned so far. So thank you for Great. making me look good. I mean, I'm, glad, I'm glad it.
1: people liked it. I uh, <laughs> uh you, what you didn't say is my first draft was way more technical and you said uh so yeah, just much, just turn it down
0: to like down to like an 8. You That's were right. you were at like a 12. We needed to bring it down to an 8. Was, no, it but, uh, uh, but it's no, it wasn't bad it but it, the, the problem is that it's a very technical subject matter. Um but uh, explain to me. Talk to me like I'm an idiot, okay? What what is what is uh, why does a one thousand dollar home theater setup look about as good as a professional uh, multiplex theater setup?
1: Well, sure. I mean, it's it. There's a lot of metrics that that we would look at, but just at a top level, it's about as good. Uh, you know, the the image that you get off of about a thousand dollar or less than a thousand dollar television, uh, these days is is really does rival what you get. On the screen in movie theater and partly that's because what's on the screen in movie theaters is a digital standard that was set up about 15 years ago and uh and it hasn't really changed very much for a lot of reasons partly it's it's just a very highly standardized highly regulated environment which is generally good uh but that does mean that it's it's had it we've had a chance for uh commercial television sets to really catch up to the standard of quality you're getting in in uh in cinemas and when I look at quality, you know, we, we're talking about, there's a lot of things, and some of this is a little bit subjective. I can give numbers to things, but we don't care about numbers. Um, but but really, you know, for the first time ever, you're now seeing things in the home that are objectively at least as good, if not objectively substantially better than what you get in commercial theaters, in a standard commercial theater. Mm-hmm. And And a lot of that's, you know, contrast and color and... Sure, like this. sure, sure.
0: So uh, let's let's take a step back and look at the kind of progression of TV qualities over the years, if we can do that. Sure. So I I still have in my home um uh, a plasma. I have sure. actually have two plasmas. Um, yeah. and I I never I never upgraded to LCD, despite LCDs being much lighter mm-hmm. and kind of easier to 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 use, because the LCD black levels were never good enough for me, I am I like to watch in a dark room and I like my black levels to be like midnight black. Yes. Um, and the LEDs even I have found were not quite up to that standard either, though they're much better than the LCDs right. uh, is, is my understanding. So it, let's let's talk first about the difference between uh, the R.I.P. plasma, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, tech and then lcds and leds and why some worked better than others for this almost very specific like i i am obsessed with black levels black that's level. like the thing i am most obsessed with
1: well certainly well i mean plasmas were a fantastic technology they were uh they expanded on they essentially expanded on crt televisions they used the same basic phosphors and they worked in a similar way but you got this much you get got a flat screen and a much higher resolution and the thing about black levels is when it when those pixels are not energized they're off. I mean, there's no light leaking out of that pixel at all. And that's one of the things that's beautiful about plasma. Also, uh, the color rendition on plasma was really quite good. It covered the full color range that, that phosphorus could cover, which was, uh, which was quite good and was in fact the standard, uh, for color, uh, uh tests and, and color, um, uh, grading in Hollywood for a long time. They uh, Until fairly recently, they were using CRT monitors for color grading. And that's uh, much more recently than you'd think. They were still mm-hmm. using CRT monitors. Um, liquid crystal televisions, you, know, had, you know, the, 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 they had cost advantages and they had energy advantages, uh, but they did not have the color range that plasmas had, and they did not have black level. That is, when a pixel on a liquid crystal television turns off, there's still a lot of light leaking out through that pixel and that, does a lot of things to it first of all I mean it's the obvious if you have a you know if you're rolled to credits and you see a lot of light still coming off the screen that's kind of annoying but it does more than that it, it will mess up your colors so when you have uh your leading lady wearing this you know beautiful red dress and it's all in there's some nice soft there's highlights and shadows what happens in those shadows is that red turns to sort of a milky white it's no longer that brilliant red and in fact a lot of what we consider brilliant reds or brilliant blues are what we're seeing in the shadows, not so much the highlights. It's not a bright blue that gets you. It's actually those dim blues that are fading off. And that's the thing that, you know, Technicolor used to do really well. You know, Wizard of Oz has these fantastic emerald colors that they chose, you know, and, and, and the ruby slippers so that they rendered in those dark levels really well. Plasma does that super well. You have the, so you're, so it's really not just about, you know, kind of darks going dark, which is one of the things we do want for night scenes, but it's even in a bright scene, if you don't have those black levels going down where they need to go, your colors look muted and kind of milky. And mm-hmm. that's what, what the crystals couldn't do. Look at LCD televisions. LED televisions are just a modification of an LCD television. They're still an LCD television. They just started doing this local dimming thing to try to fix that. Mm-hmm. And it helps a lot. But it gives you different artifacts. Now you have these kind of weird halos that happen around people. You know bright things have kind of a funny halo around them. Uh, you also will see the the backlight sort of lag a little bit. and, and you know you, you'll have the you'll see these brightness patterns shifting over your screen like like clouds are moving across the screen. It was sort of a compromise. It was a way to make LCDs sort of work better, and it does work better. Uh, but we've been waiting for the next thing that could give us those black levels and give us the color range that we really wanted
0: mm-hmm
1: and uh and that is basically oled it's it's oled yeah so so i mean yeah, yeah to, yeah, to, to keep, not keep you in suspense that's oled uh yeah. so uh oled screens are here they've been around for a while we've had oled displays on a lot of things and they've been around the thing that's happened with oled uh, and i would say really pretty much last year and this year is the prices have started to knee over they've started to drop into the range where a wider audience might buy one so they're not the five to seven thousand dollar displays or the ten thousand dollar crazy things that people would buy now you can get them for uh small ones for less than 1, 000, uh, a thousand a 65 inch uh this year about eighteen hundred dollars for a 65 inch which is mm-hmm. you know that's that's still a chunk of money that's uh but it's it's much more affordable uh than they have been and so we're starting to see mm-hmm. them in wide distribution mm-hmm and all right so explain explain to
0: folks why the OLED works better than the regular LED uh, uh setup. Right.
1: So an OLED doesn't have a liquid crystal facing on it. So a regular LED television is basically these these large white LED sections with a liquid crystal in front of it. Again, lots of light leaking and they're sort of trying to put this together. That uh, let me not talk too badly about that. That can be done really well. So you mm-hmm. will see some vendors who make systems like that. And in fact, some of those systems can achieve peak brightness levels that are in fact higher than you get out of OLED. But you're always going to have some artifacting going on with that. And so I'm not, let me not just bash everybody who's making some of these pretty slick uh, LCD systems, but there is something about the kind of purity of an OLED system. OLEDs have, uh, and they've got their downsides too, but their their upsides are they go fully black when you want them black. They also have very high peak brightness. Uh, They can hit you know about 600 uh, nits or so, uh, which is pretty good. Um, and uh, so that's a that's a number. It's good. It's a yeah. good number. It's good. That's uh, a good number. It's a yeah. good number. That's that's why my my charts in the article are just color coded. I'm like, yeah, they're just it's good. Uh, and uh, so the and that's quite a bit brighter than you'll get off of a movie screen, for instance. Um, all all televisions can get brighter than you'll get off of a movie screen for a lot of reasons. Uh, and then they have a very high resolution, so you can have these little OLED pixels, and you can have lots of them, so you can have a 4K display. And they can respond very quickly, and they can have a very, very wide uh, color palette. So they they actually can go to, uh, and that's wider than you could have gotten off of a uh, off of a plasma display. So now you were getting into colors that previously were only reproduced in movie theaters, uh, and now we're seeing those in the home.
0: Now, uh, could you talk a little bit about HDR, uh, high, high dynamic range? I believe is what that. that is that right am I, yes, am I that's kidding? Exactly. yeah okay uh, the the I I know that uh, HDR is like the big the big you know uh, selling point you want to make sure that's on your on your TV I have friends who really swear by it mm-hmm. um, but again I'm living in the you know not quite the Stone Age but like the Bronze Age mm-hmm. with my plasma um, and I I am curious if you could explain in in layman's terms why the HDR matters and what it what it does for folks.
1: Right. Well, so the real world has enormous contrast differences. If you just look at a normal room, even an inside interior room, uh, the lights there are going to be thousands of times brighter than some of the, you know, the highlights and stuff are, are substantially brighter than the wall or the other background elements and things like this. That's what the real world looks like to us. Um, it's got this enormous differences in brightnesses in the same scene. So not just outside inside, but in an, in a single scene, you'll have Really bright highlights, really dark, dim areas, and that gives us a lot of information. In a normal movie pre- previously and in uh, televisions before, we had to compress that. The The display devices just could not reproduce all of those bright levels. And what that does is it makes everything look a little bit flatter than it really did in real life. Uh, and uh, a well-produced, high-dynamic range uh, uh, movie will not poke you in the eyeball with it. It's not there to just, you know, blow you away and make all this stuff happen. What it does is it looks more present, more real. It actually looks sharper of all crazy things is one of the things that that contrast does to us is it makes our eyes see things as more crisp, as more sharp. It's also something that you don't have to be very close to the screen to see. You can be across the room and, and those brighter highlights will still cue you in on, you know, cue your, your, the sharpness response and say, Oh yeah, that's that's a crisp thing over there, and I'm seeing something that's really glossy and pretty. Uh, and it's something we could only do uh, again with with um, with LED televisions. Could do this because their backlights could actually drive some pretty bright highlights uh, through the liquid crystal. And now OLEDs can do. It's something that uh, some, uh, very specifically, Dolby theaters do. So those, are the, if you it, for high dynamic range in movie theaters, the only place you really get that uh, in its truest form. Is in a Dolby theater, which are, are pretty rare. Not not too many mm. people can go see them that way.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So the the Dolby theater does that, and the uh, the IMAX theaters don't.
1: They don't currently, but but um, it's a little weird. So when you get into movie theaters uh, at home, there's actually kind of just a standard for this. It's like okay, if it's HDR, it does does this much, and it's very good. In movie theaters, once you get away from kind of the the standard movie theaters the, the, that you would have everywhere. If you, once you get into the premium theaters, uh, you do start have to see projectors with substantial differences in their contrast capabilities. So the new IMAX systems uh, are have an extremely wide contrast capability. And so they can master things for that that do give you a high dynamic range type situation it's a little different in a movie theater than at home because it means different things when you're reflecting things off of a screen versus watching something that's emitting from a screen Mm -hmm. um but uh so i'm not when we talk about dynamic range and imax that gets really squirrely because uh they have their own way of doing things but it is a much higher dynamic range presentation in an imax theater than it is in a standard theater dolby will have higher yet. there are numbers to this that are generally thrown around the industry, which something like, uh, uh, you know, sequential contrast on the, on the Dolby theaters are like a million to one, which is very similar to an OLED display mm-hmm. um, because they use these very exotic million dollar projectors in there. Um, they're not making money on those projectors just by the way. Uh, it's just, <laughs> there's just I, nobody, I don't, I have no inside information. There's just no way you can pay off those projectors with popcorn. Um, yeah, but, uh, a, IMAX projector, I don't have numbers on, but I'm just looking at them as a viewer who pays money and goes and watches them. They're hitting easily 10,000 to one, if not uh, if not much higher than that. Mm-hmm. And they also have good what we call sequential contrast, which is when you have something bright on one side of the screen and dim things on the other side of the screen. You don't want to uh, wash out the dim things with the bright things. Uh, you want to um, have your dim things still dim and the pretty red dress over there and everything that you've got. And they yeah, they do you- that very well.
0: You, there was there was something that you had mentioned in your in your piece. And I, I just want to talk about this a little bit to help people understand kind of the, the myriad factors in play in an actual theater setting where you you su- you suggested that an executive at one point said, you know, we should make the people put on black robes. Yeah, they were. And, I, I, I'm sure they were joking about that. But sure. But I but I think there's I think there's something there's something there's a there's truth to every good joke. Right. <laughs> right. Like there, there there's something there's something to this, which is that, you know. You you know, if you can only really get the best viewing experience by putting on, you know, like the Eyes Wide Shut orgy robe before you go into the theater... Um, it, it, is that, is that really an ideal way to see movies? I mean, I, I think, I think sure. it's something, I think it's, I think it's something, you know, uh, it, it, but, but, but what, what are, what, so what are the, what are the different factors at play here? Why, why, why was this, why was this executive joking about, you know, we need people to wear black. So as, so light doesn't bounce off of them and onto the
1: screen. screen. So, so the the reason is, is so this gets to the central difference between watching something on a movie screen and watching things at home. Uh, and it's really the difference between a projector and a television, um, If you're, if you sit, you go to the movie theater before the movie starts and you sit down with your popcorn and you look in front of you, what do you see? You see a giant white screen. It's white. That is the darkest black you're going to have is that white screen with no illumination on it. And so that's why we make the whole room dark. Uh, But we, we, in a movie theater, we make black by not shining light onto a very, very white surface a, a, a highly reflective surface. Um, that's a hard way to make black, uh, because any stray light in the theater is going to cause that black to not be black anymore. And when you start looking at that, so part of it's light leaking through the projector, that's one source of light that will cause the black not to be black anymore. But another large and much, and frankly, larger source of, 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 you know, loss of black levels in the movie theater is light. Reflecting either scattering off the lens or the or the pork glass, and we've talked about the popcorn grease, but there's also just dust on the pork glass uh, in the back, um, and that will scatter light that was meant for one part of the screen over onto another part of the screen and make it not look black anymore, make it look milky, but as much as that happens another thing that happens is you're you've got a bright light on one side of the screen that light comes off the screen it hits the seats and it hits the patrons in the movie theater. And there's a reason that all the seats are pretty dark colored and the walls are dark colored and the ceilings dark colored they used to do them red and that that's now out nobody does red interiors anymore in movie theaters we do it black because we don't want that reflected light coming off the interior walls ceiling and and everything but then people go sit in the in the seats and they wear white t-shirts Uh, and that we measured that we actually, we had uh, gantries and light meters and all kinds of people climbing all over stuff. That's actually something we actually sat there and measured and we would have employees come sit down in our, in our little test theater and put different cloths in front of them. And we'd measure how much it changed the black levels. And it was huge. It was actually one of the most dominant impacts on the image quality was what the patrons were wearing after you'd handled everything else in the theater and so we joked i uh, said well everybody needs to wear a black robe you know with little eye holes through it uh, and <laughs> said uh that's a really bad idea so um said well you just gonna we just have to deal with it. It's, it that's a problem that that movie theaters have that if you look at your television at home when it's off even in a brightly lit room it looks black it's a big black rectangle it's not a white rectangle and so we don't you don't have the problems of reflected light at home that you have in movie theaters
0: yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I like something I never would have thought about. You know, we, we need to We need to institute a, a code for, you know, put away your cell phones and put on your put black on your black. Robe. Meta- <laughs> put on your put on your black Metallica T-shirt before you go to the hey. the uh, the the theater. Um, so, you know, one of, one of the things you you had uh, you had kind of mentioned to me is is that you hope this piece would be taken as kind of a call to arms by movie theaters yeah. uh, uh, owners and operators, the exhibitors to say, look. Folks, you know, people at home can get a better picture than what they're getting right now in mm-hmm. in theaters. What is your hope, Tony? Um, to that that what improvements can they make? Um, what, what, how can they step up their game to better compete with the simple home viewing, uh, advantage that is kind of mounting now,
1: right? Well, there's been several proposals out there. Uh, and I think there are some straightforward things that can be done. One, one of the first ones is, um, there is uh, a difference in the master quality. That is the actual data that's being played in movie theaters versus at home. And it used to be that what you had in movie theaters was substantially better than what you had at home. So you popped a Blu-ray disc in at home, that wasn't as good as what they had in movie theater. That's not really true anymore now that 4K Blu-rays are here. 4K Blu-rays, now I don't have numbers to back this up. I just have empirical evidence. They're they're basically better than anything you mm-hmm. ever get in a the movie theater. Uh, so the master you can buy at home for twelve bucks or twenty bucks is a better quality master than in, in most respects than than what you're getting in the movie theater. That's not entirely true, but the but the the one in the movie theater could be quickly fixed. And there's been a proposal rattling around the industry for five to seven years, and it's a very simple change. They just need to increase the bit rate. Uh, say, okay, it's running at two hundred and fifty megabits. Um, let's conclude. Let's increase that to a gigabit many projectors are capable of that right now. So this is really a standards change. It, they, it needs to be a standards change because the studios need to master it at that higher bit rate and you need to qualify which projectors can do that high bit rate and which ones can't. But the standards groups who do this need to actually pass that and say, yes, gigabit is now the answer. We're not really, you know, they might change a few other things, but they're, the master, which, what's called the D- digital cinema package, the DCP, uh, needs to be upgraded at the standards level, and if that happened, that would be an almost instantaneous change in the industry because so many projectors out there right now could mm-hmm. adopt those new changes already.
0: Uh, ex- explain to me, talk to me like I'm stupid. What 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 is Bitrate, and how does that uh, how does that impact what people actually see on the screen? Oh,
1: uh, think of it as uh, you know you've got your, you've got your internet connection in your house, and if you're watching streaming, if you've got a low bit rate connection at your house. You have low, low megabits, right? So you're you've got a a, you know 10 megabit connection or a five megabit connection, your streaming isn't going to look very good because it's going to have to send a very low bit low data rate signal through that. And it's going to look kind of pixelated and it's got to have a lot of jaggy artifacts and 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 all kinds of things will happen to it. And it's going to be kind of low resolution. When you have a higher uh, a data rate connection you know at your house, you can have a better quality picture. And this is also true in the movie theater. Now they don't download their stuff. It comes on in a hard drive. but you know, there's pipes internally. there's a bunch of cables and stuff that go from hard drive to projector, and all of those things were set to two hundred and fifty uh, million bits per second, and that was the the setup that they had uh, and the standard they put together. Now a lot of them can go faster, but that's what they put in place. That sounds like a lot. It really is quite a lot, but they on top of that put a Pretty old fashioned compression system. On top of that, use JPEG 2000 uh, for the compression system, which there were there pluses and minuses. I'm not beaten up on JPEG 2000, but um, when you do that, you leave a lot of your bandwidth on the table. So the more data you can pass through, whatever system it is, if it's your Blu-ray system, which they you know Blu-rays are 40 megabits, and if you have a 4K Blu-ray, they're 100 megabits or so. The more data you can push through. And the better your compression system is that you're using in this, the better the image on screen is going to look. It's gonna be it's gonna be cre- clearer, crisper, sharper. It's gonna be a better picture. So, and this is just a
0: function of a changing, you know, how the DCPS are mastered, mm-hmm. uh, but also b. Uh, would it be just like a firmware update to the to the projectors? I mean, how how would that actually work? You say most of them can do it. Why aren't they doing it?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's so the the whole industry is run by standards and standards committees. Um, and so you have literally, I mean, meetings where a bunch of people sit around the table, people from different companies and they say, okay, so if we make a thing with this, much, with this bit rate, how many people can play it, you know, right now? And they say, oh, you know, we have this one projector in the corner. It wouldn't be able to do it. All right. Let's not make that a standard, you know, so they actually, it's, so it's a, um, there's a, a variety of groups who do this, um, and they write word documents that get approved and they get sent out. Uh, it's very bureaucratic. Uh, the reason for that is so is to keep uniformity across the industry so that if I get a digital cinema package hard drive, so a hard drive shows up in my movie theater, I'm in a movie theater in, you know, Oklahoma, hard drive shows up. I pop it in the machine. I hit ingest and play and it goes, we expect that to work. I cannot have that not work. Mm-hmm. Um, however, everybody's sort of known that we need to get a higher bit rate going. And so the major manufacturers of all this stuff have been in- increasing some of the capabilities of these projectors and systems in anticipation of a new standard coming down the line. So if somebody dropped a new standard, if that, if the, if the group of guys, it's usually guys, uh, sadly, uh, <laughs> although the group was, uh, has been, you know, there's been some women as president, but, uh, it's a, it's a, um, I, I, it's a sad, it's a sad Dude, scene every time I see it. Just dudes
0: sitting around talking about bit rates.
1: It's dudes sitting around talking about bit rates. I I uh, yeah, I add parentheticals that you cut out of my my thing for for good reason, <laughs> where I just talk about how our nerd meetings are just the worst. So the nerd meetings are the worst, and if the nerds all get together and they say, "Okay, here's the new the new standard," they could drop that in. A lot of projectors would be capable of it. And that would move when the, you, move the when thing you say a lot.
0: What what percentage are we talking about? Like eighty percent, fifty percent?
1: I'm grimacing now. Uh, it, I don't know the rate of replacement. A lot of things. I think almost all new ones could do it, mm-hmm. and probably all all of them since four years ago or so. So there's probably an eighty eighty percent of the of the projectors who cannot. So it's probably twenty to thirty percent. Okay, who are capable now? The upgrades for the rest of them may not be that painful. And of course, you could have uh, you could have a dual spec. People hate this, but say, okay, well, here's your DC uh, DCP V two, and you could advertise it. Or and I think that's where it's really getting bound up is in the marketing question. It's like, well, if we made a new, better version of the system, how would we brand that? You know, and mm-hmm. you know, if we had a guaranteed four K, you know, the dirty secret is you know, a lot of projectors are four K capable. That's a lot of projectors are four K capable, but almost no content is distrib- distributed to the movie theaters in four K. It's almost all two K.
0: Yeah, why? Why is that? Uh, you, you 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 talk about this in the piece a little bit, but why why uh, why not take advantage of the full capabilities of your projector if you are you know marketing your cinematic experience as an experience.
1: Well, it, it has a lot to, so, so the decision of 2K or 4K is a studio decision. When they make their, um, their, their packages, uh, their, their movie packages they send out, um, they uh, know that they that all the projectors can do 2K and only some can do 4K. So even if over half can do 4K, that's still just some. Uh, and if they have to make a separate version of the movie, for 4K versus the 2K version of the movie, that's additional cost in producing these these masters. It's like, it's like the film prints. Uh, mm-hmm. And sure. already, they for international releases and everything else. Um, if you if you release a blockbuster movie, you're already making 50 to 150 different versions of that movie to go around the world. And if you have to double that because now you have the 2K and the 4K version, you don't want to do that. And so, uh, it's it's usually just a financial question of, of what they want to produce and uh and also whether or not they carried edit through at 4k they do mostly now but for a long time um carrying around the 4k imagery in edit was like eh, why bother and then finally in in blind testing when you put people well not blind because people got to look at it but in testing when people look at the screens uh a lot of people can't tell the difference between a 2k master on the screen and a 4k master on the screen even if the, if the projector is 4k for both of them and that. And so a lot of executives just kind of threw their hands up and said, ah, why bother?
0: Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, there there's there's certainly that they, element to it. Um, I'm saying, I, you know
1: you have to bother. You have to do this. The, the, the At home, people get 4K. They know it's 4K. You have to do it in movie theaters. Just start doing it. The projectors can do it. Send the 4K masters out.
0: Well, is it is it just as much psychology at this point, so that they can say to customers, "Hey, we we have 4K too." I mean, I I almost feel like that's playing a catch up game, though, right? Like shouldn't shouldn't they be saying like we have 8K? You know, you you can't you can't afford that seventy thousand dollar 8K TV, but we've got that for twelve bucks at the at the multiplex.
1: You yeah, know, there was a push at theaters a few years ago to say, "Oh, come to our 4K theater where the projector was 4K," and then. The the dirty secret was that there was a 4K projector and it was 2K content playing on it, and nobody wanted to talk about that. Um, and so, uh, so the the marketing push for 4K kind of dissipated. You didn't see people advertising that as much anymore because they suddenly realized they might get you know kind of caught in that, and so uh, they they let left that let that go. Uh, I think that they should just quietly make sure that all the masters are 4K. I, there's look, you know, five years ago it would have been a marketing push to say, look, it's it's 4K the projectors are capable of 4k right now it's a no cost thing to go ahead or very low cost thing to start sending your masters out in 4k which also will benefit if you increase bit rate so these are there are some you know fairly inexpensive things to do a lot of this does not require equipment changes it just requires doing things you know getting the the word documents put together everybody agrees we're going to do it send the 4k masters out and then you know make sure your lenses are clean and uh, and the other thing i'd push for is uh with with the with the same dc uh, um, the um, uh, digital light processing systems, the DLP projectors that we currently have um, better lenses can actually make a big difference in contrast on screen. And so a lot of it actually has to do with lenses. So there are some things mm-hmm. also just cleaning the things out, please clean the things out. <laughs> so uh, a lot of this helps, uh, you
0: know? Yeah, no, I, what is, so uh in terms of changing out the lenses, I, I I know nothing about projector lenses. What's what? What would the would it just be getting a new one and putting it in? I like that sounds expensive. It, is is l- my point? L- lenses are expensive. I know lenses. I used to have a DSLR, and I know lenses are expensive. You
1: are you are correct. Lenses are very expensive, uh, but they're less expensive than a whole projector. So, uh, roughly speaking. Uh, lenses for cinema projectors are about $8,000 uh, for a, a projector lens and uh, a really high contrast lens. And there have been some prototypes of this. Realty was making prototypes of this. Other companies have looked at high contrast lenses and uh, and IMAX has all their own in-house lens design. They do some amazing stuff over there. Um, the lens is a huge part of the projection system. It's it's a place that uh, where money actually helps a lot because better... Polishing of glass and things like that it matters. It it shows up on screen. Uh, a very high quality lens might be a fifteen thousand dollar lens. That's still less than a projector, but it's a huge chunk of money. Uh, the big question there is: Does it really help uh, on screen performance? The way I usually think about it is, uh, and it does help on screen performance. We we, we, can, we have metrics of how much it it improves things. But when I look at that, at any quality aspect, I say, okay, there's a graph someplace where if I increase. Go at higher quality on the x-axis, audience happiness with the output is going to go up on the y-axis. What's the shape of that? Is it is it just flat line that they can't tell the difference at all between any quality I present? In which case I'm not going to put any money into that. Is it a nice you know really high you know quick quickly changing line going up really fast? Well then put money into that because people will notice it. But what it really gets to is this is kind of my kind of f- foundational thing on all of this stuff is and and the reason that I'm a huge fan of movie theaters. Um. You can spend a lot of money at home and you can make a fantastic home theater system and you can get everything tweaked and you can figure out what the HDMI audio return channel does or who the hell knows. Uh, you can do, uh, you can get all this stuff working. Why do you want to do that? I mean, if you're me, sure, it's fun to tweak with this stuff, but most people don't want to do that. What they want is they want to go watch a movie. They want to enjoy the movie. It's about the movie. It's not about all the technology and all the stuff that's in the back, all this stuff they expect to outsource that to somebody. They expect somebody else to make that totally work. And they won't know that they enjoyed the movie because the black levels were fantastic or because the sound was great or because the lens was super sharp and crisp. They will have just enjoyed the movie. And all of those things contributed to it because a bad, every piece of that is important for the movie experience. A lot of which is very difficult to quantify. I can quantify all of the aspects of it, but I can't quantify enjoyment and that emotional aspect that movies give you, and so this is why I kind of keep shouting to my colleagues and and everybody, look, these things matter. They, you're never going to make a cost benefit analysis where you're going to you're going to know exactly how they matter, but they do. You just know that they do. Do your best on each one of these. Do the things that that can make the image better on screen, or people are going to figure out how that Audi return channel works, and they're going to stay home. They're just going to do it. Yeah, uh,
0: I I want to shift back to TVs just for a moment because there is a question that I often get from people, and I I only know the correct answer. I don't know why it's the correct answer. Um, could you could you explain the difference between QLED and OLED? Because uh, I, it's like a Samsung specific branding thing. It's it's basically just oh, it's just LED. Yeah, yeah. But they they kind of. They wanted it to sound like it competes with OLED.
1: Yeah, they use, uh, so I think the Q stands for quantum dots, which is some sort of, a honestly, people have explained it to me too. And I'm sitting there going, it's a what now? Um, <laughs> so I, I, it, but it, it's basically an LED television. It's a very well done one. I mean, the, the QLED ones, uh, have a, a LED backlight with a lot of zones and a liquid crystal front, and they can do very high peak brightnesses and they can do very good color. And, uh, uh so they can do a lot of neat things with it, um. I, uh, it really depends on what your metric is that you care about. Now, one of the things we didn't talk about is how eye filling a screen is. So Mm -hmm. a 65 inch television does not fill your eye up at a normal viewing distance as well as a real movie theater. I mean, you'd have to sit, and we usually talk in screen heights, but you want to be about one and a half screen heights away. That means you need to sit three feet from that screen and, and put on your reading glasses. If you're me, uh, and watch a movie that way to have an eye filling experience. So a Bigger television will help. And one of the things is with a lot of liquid crystal technologies, if what you care about is eye filling more than black levels or other things, you can get a bigger television for the same price uh, in a liquid crystal set, a QLED mm-hmm. or, or else, uh, uh, else other uh, LED television. If what you care about is black levels and color saturation and things like this, then yeah, an OLED is going to be a more pure uh, uh, image quality. So it really depends a little bit on which metric you care about the most. If it's bigness or if it's color and mm-hmm. brightness. Because right now you can't have everything. Right. And
0: of course, all of this ignores sound, which is is a whole different podcast, no. frankly. No. I'm I'm not a I'm not a sound guy. That's a JVL thing. JVL is very much into to sound and, and that sort of stuff. I, I just have a, a pretty standard sound bar in yeah. front of my my plasma, which which does the trick creates the rumbling it's it a rumbling and does does the thing yeah. <laughs> i
1: i have a um i have a, a atmos decoder uh which is uh so for 700 dollars you can go to marantz and buy a really nice uh uh little um amplifier that does atmos decoding and atmos is uh, as an object sound system it's pretty amazing you can go look at all those things but yeah roughly speaking in a house you can fill it with sound you can have fantastic sound in your house uh it the more money you spend the better it'll get there's a there's a rollover at some point but just go get a sound bar and you'll be happy sound bars can make some fantastic sound and you'll and it'll be good if you can get some speakers behind you even better
0: yeah uh well what else what else was there uh that people need to know about home theaters and what they should be looking for this christmas shopping season if they're looking to buy uh if they're looking to upgrade their set anything anything else that, that that I forgot to mention or or
1: talk about well i think the main thing i would say is regardless of what system you get at home the main thing is you're going to watch movies and uh and you and my recommendation as always is buy physical media because you own it and people can't take it away and it's not really that much more expensive if at all to buy physical media especially if you look for deals and uh and the, and nowadays with a 4k Uh, blu-ray the data the image quality is is better but even a blu-ray will just blow away streaming by a lot uh and you will be impressed with what you see with physical media and i have two recommendations um i just re-watched recently the dark knight trilogy christopher nolan's uh dark knight trilogy on uh 4k blu-ray so if you have a 4k system go buy that trilogy it's amazing what player
0: do you use? If, if I can ask what, because that is, that's always another question. Like what, what 4k Blu-ray set should I buy? It's like, I have no idea because I don't have a 4k set. I just,
1: I just went and bought a uh, Sony uh, player for 150 bucks the other day. Uh, It's perfectly good. Do look that it has uh, uh, the different um, high dynamic range compatibility. So, the easiest thing to do and this is not a shill for the company but uh they they've done their branding well if if it has dolby logos on it you're going to be all set so if if it's got if it does dolby vision and dolby atmos out of the box you're fine sony's do that and the cheapest one is fine uh and it plays things quite well it doesn't have a fan in it which is the only thing i don't want because i hate listening to fans spinning on the things and uh it's a lovely (laughs) little player and and that trilogy uh because parts of it were shot imax film it masters really well up to 4k and high dynamic range it when it goes into because in those ones you may recall it goes in and out Mm -hmm. and kind of imax Sure, sure and it uh this is something that the streaming versions of them don't do they don't change aspect ratio uh when they go into the imax one yeah Yeah. for for technical reasons they really kind of can't um but the blu-ray does and so you'll go from the uh you know 2.4 to 1 Uh, you know, scope, you know, super wide version of it. And then suddenly you're in Hong Kong and the whole thing just fills your screen just like it did in the movie theater when we watched it. And it's amazing. It's very transporting and super crisp and it's just wonderful. Yes. The other one I recommend because I have to, because I worked with the guys on the movie and I, and I think it's one of the best UHD Blu-rays out there is Ang Lee's Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, a movie that almost nobody saw, which I, I, actually like a lot. I think it's a kind of a cool, weird movie, but the UHD blu-ray of that is amazing. It's 60 frames per second. It's gorgeous. It's Dolby vision. It's Dolby Atmos. It is astonishing. It's one of the best mastered UHD blu-rays out there and you can get it. Uh, and it's just a lot of, and you'll, uh, and the movie is kind of crazy. Um, there's a central piece of that movie that is the, the actual halftime show and the battle sequence. If you don't watch the whole movie, although I recommend doing that, if you just watch that sequence, it will blow you away. It's amazing. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this is not in 3D, which was, I believe, the original, the theatrical was in
1: 3D, right? Right. Uh, UHD Blu rays do not support 3D, although that package. No 3D. No 3D. Although that package does include the 3D standard Blu ray as well uh, in there, if you happen to have a 3D television. But it it includes both. It's a very (laughs) nice package and very affordable. Yeah.
0: Uh great. Well thanks, Tony, for coming back on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I I love uh being one of these nerds talking about bit rates in the the you know on on, on the podcast and, and on the internet. Um I will be back next week with another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. Please tune in. <laughs>